0: This episode of the Eggology Club podcast is sponsored by Extend Fertility. Our friends at Extend Fertility are changing the way we think about egg freezing. While most practices treat patients for infertility issues, Extend Fertility is an egg freezing focused practice created just for women who want to preserve fertility at a price that is half of what you would pay anywhere else. Visit extendfertility.com today to set up an appointment or call 212-810-2828 to schedule a talk with a fertility advisor. Mention Egg Club at the time of booking for exclusive offers for podcasts Listeners, this is Ecology Club podcast episode number seven. Having it all. Welcome to a new club, the Ecology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern day journey to parenthood. Meet your co-hosts and new BFFs, Riddell, Valerie and Kara, We're sharing our unfiltered real-life stories, and we hope you join the conversation too. Follow us at eggologyclub.com. Welcome, ladies. Hey, hey. Episode 7. <laughs> High
1: five. High five. 7-Elevens. Nope. Yeah. Oh, it's my dog's birthday, 7-Eleven. Oh, you're oh. never going to forget it. You <laughs> get the free Guys. Slurpee every year. Did you see
2: my Instagram picture? I sure did, and I got a Coke Slurpee right after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, they were tiny though. They did you were. do the regular blue? Did you do like the regular? I did blue raspberry and coke. So even though they're tiny, it means you got to get chewed, add it up to a regular size small. Oh, so you went back twice? I know I just double fisted right there. Nice. God, I love your style, (laughs) Kara. Just double fisted (laughs) right there. 7 Eleven didn't give you any
3: problems with that? No,
2: and I also got a Slim Jim to go.
1: Okay. A Slim Jim. You
3: probably got it for free, didn't you? You know. You know. Okay, so how I know we've
1: had a really busy summer, but how are we on our our reality TV shows and stuff?
3: Okay, I'm a little slow, so I'm going to think that count on you guys for catching me up here because I hear that we've got a really good guest here
1: Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Woo! Oh uh, Married at First Sight. Oh, my Amazing. God. Okay. Can you believe this has been going on for five seasons? No. Chicago's the fifth season, and they're already recording That's the next season. That's in your season. hood. Why are you not on that show? Guys, I interviewed for it, but I went through a crazy year of 2016 when the show actually recorded, and I got cold feet, got to be honest. Oh, <laughs> Didn't me. really know if I wanted to have to possibly get divorced, because you know, they meet for the first time at the altar. Wow. Have you ever
2: watched this show? I have one, one episode, and uh, nothing like a good arranged marriage on national television. Okay, well, what do you think about the show? I mean, I was kind of a junkie for She a was a lot. junkie. I've seen it once. Um, but I'll be honest, the way my dating life's going, I'm kind of open to being on the show. Might as, might as well take out all the middle stuff. Just let's get right down to
3: it. And I do. I mean, I would actually really trust all the experts on there. Of course, we'd prefer Dr. Pepper to have us (laughs) set up with someone. Um, But, well, you binged on it, Valerie, so what'd you think? Well, okay, so the first season, when it was in New York,
1: was kind of cool. Jamie um, lives, I think, in New Jersey, and Doug, I think, lived in the city, and they were matched. Um, And she comes from a really tough background, history, Uh, parents alcohol abuse, you know, some like major stuff. She basically raised her, her siblings, her other like three sisters, two sisters, um, and was like the mom. She actually got custody of her, her, uh, siblings. So that was kind of big. Um, and she wrote a book, how to be wifey 101. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, uh, they, her and Doug, um, decided to get pregnant. They got pregnant, uh, this time last year. And actually miscarried it almost twenty weeks. So they lost mm, their son Jonathan. Awful. Yeah. So they went through a really kind of unique fertility journey because, um, you know, they got pregnant really easy but then miscarried when after they'd just gone on like the today show and stuff. I don't know if I would ever get married with like arranged marriage,
3: would you, Riddell? Well, I would have to see some success stories. But it sounds like maybe that's happening, right? Like it sounds like they're still married. Well, could, I could think it's kind like, normal. It's kind of like The Bachelor,
1: right? Like it's it's just a combo of whether you people mesh are going together.
2: on. Well, and are people going on these shows for the right reasons? I feel that's The Bachelor right. ebbs and flows. People, it's really people looking to advance their brands or to just be reality show stars. But so far, what I see, Married at First Sight, they're really honestly looking to get married. And you have real
3: experts trying to help you get married that's the the fun part reasons right is that they do a whole evaluation yeah i think there's real credibility here to make it work yeah
2: i'm interested to hear what our expert uh celebrity guest has for today dr pepper uh what she what she thinks about not only working on the show but uh just her i mean very impressive resume um i know she's an author she's a wife she's a mother. Uh, Professor at UW. Shout out to all the UW alumni. I'm I'm excited that we got her on the show today. Yeah.
1: So before we get to the show, let's just take a quick break and hear from our sponsors.
0: If you feel you've been exposed to an STD, there is something you can do. Be Safe Meds offers a telemedicine solution. You can reduce the risk of infections by visiting BeSafeMeds.com to get diagnosed confidentially. You can receive treatment over the phone and even get medication prescribed, all with your discretion in mind. For whatever happens, Be Safe Meds is here to help. Mention A-Club for a special offer today.
1: All
3: right, we're back.
1: So um, should we queue up our interview with Dr. Pepper? Heck yeah. Okay, let's do it.
3: Thank you so much, Dr. Pepper Schwartz, for being with us today. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here and interested in what we'll be talking about. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about yourself, your areas of expertise, um,
4: you know, what you're working on right now with our audience. Sure. I've written 25 books, which is a little bizarre, but I have. And, you know, over 50 academic articles. Uh, I presently have... um, also worked as uh, president of the Society for the Scientific Study of Sexuality president of the Pacific Sociological Association, was the ambassador for 10 years for AARP on uh, love, sexuality, and relationships. Um, And I am on a TV show called Married at First Sight, which is on Lifetime Channel now and arranges marriages. So it's an area that uh, academically I am, and and sort of in popular culture, I'm very present in. I create the algorithm for perfectmatch.com Uh, In terms of matching systems, um, I'm married and I have two kids. And, and three dogs. <laughs> so I love
3: the dogs. And um, how has it been, you know, going from writing books to then being on the show?
4: Well, I mean, there's the show is an amazing experience. Nothing would have prepared me for that because in the show, um, we match people and they get legally married and they meet at the altar. And then for the next eight weeks or so, we try and be there for them. Um, and we get uh, daily reports on their lives and sometimes, uh, some film, but we're, we're, we're seeing their life in everyday life. And, um, very few therapists or researchers get that privilege and that challenge to, to watch people in real time, uh, solve some of the issues of marriage and get to know each other and get to know themselves better. So, Um, that kind of intimate data is, is amazing. And and while there are cameras there, I think anybody who watches the show realizes that pretty soon, whatever the camera is, gets normalized and people act as they're going to act. Um, so for me, it's given me a lot more insight, uh, into the stresses and strains and flexibility or lack thereof, uh, and given individuals when it comes to love and putting a relationship together, it's been very educational. (laughs)
1: Maybe you can talk a little bit about how our society has changed from like the 1950s and relationships of that very traditional female role, that very traditional male role to today and and kind of your sense on those traditions. Well,
4: do you have a few hours? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to say, but in a nutshell, I would say that um, we have grown from an environment where people were cataloged, scripted and confined by gender. know women do this men do that to an idea of individualism who are you what do you need to do create a happy and productive life Um, and to kind of create your own rules about what what you want to do and who you are um, in every part of your life and particularly um, in love and how you go about creating uh, a marriage or a non-marriage having a family or a non-family creating one Through adoption or friends or doing it the traditional way, which is to uh, marry someone and settle down with them. I think um, um, all of this has been up for grabs for a while, I think, in some ways. Um, it's the individuals, and there are still people who do a very traditional situation. Uh, He's the breadwinner, she's at home, she's domestic, she takes care of things. That's what they want, and that's available to them. But, you know, if you're gay or lesbian, or if you're an individual um, who wants to create a family on your own, uh, it's all doable now. And and furthermore, there's not the kind of stigma there would have been. I mean, my mother's generation, I can remember many of her age mates um, would say, well, one would never invite a single woman over for dinner because she might try to take your husband. I mean, oh that's, I know, I know, it's sort of Ugh. unthinkable now, isn't it? Wow. So I, I sometimes think the world doesn't realize how much it's changed in what a short time it is. That's some crazy perspectives, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, in the modern era,
1: you know, egg freezing has really become the forefront of how we prolong our fertility as women. Um, are you seeing that in the culture and society of the people that you work with in in
4: your work? yes, I am. I'm definitely seeing people I just talked to a young man, for example um in his case where he had testicular cancer and so he went and froze his sperm before he had the operation so that he could have his own kids eventually and i've I've met women who have you know figured well i you know, don't know if I'm going to meet the right person in time to create a family with. So I'm going to wait for a certain amount of time. And if that doesn't happen, then, you know, I've got I'm I'm going to get my eggs um, uh, frozen so that, you know, I can have them when I feel, you know, that this is my best option at a given time. I think even people who aren't doing it, the fact that they know they can do it, you know, makes them, you know, breathe easier because they don't feel they have to um, the women don't feel that they have to, uh, you know, marry anyone or have sex with anyone or, you know, uh, fertilization with someone they don't know um, until, you know, it's it's their, you know, last choice available or it's the choice available at the time they want. Um, so just the fact that it can be done. I think has this uh, emotional impact, whether or not you do it. How is your perspective with birth control
1: affecting the earlier generations? Do you think like yeah. freezing is like birth control was back
4: then? Well, you know, I mean, we were we used to be at a time where no nice girl would carry a condom, and um, we've had condoms basically since the middle of the nineteenth century. So it's not that they weren't available, but they weren't particularly emotionally available to women and so uh and good girls didn't you know use protection that would mean they were actually thinking about sex and preparing for it so there was a thing called shotgun weddings from you know uh time immemorial which is people had sex they didn't use protection uh, the woman got pregnant the father went over to the the boy and his family and said, I'm going to kill your son if he doesn't marry my daughter. And they said, OK, let's get a marriage going. And um, or if he didn't do if, if it wasn't the parents, it was, well, let's do the right thing and let's get you know married because we're going to have a kid. And we've had imp- we, we, we didn't use birth control. And then you started to get a different period of time where, um, you know, while condoms were the only decent and safe um, for the most part if well used kind of uh, protection you you had a big sea change in the um, 60s when the when the pill came around and of course we've had even more change as uh, hormonal forms of birth control um, which are you know very highly efficient although not to everybody's liking uh, because they do fool around with your hormones um, uh, became And even more common. And there's, you know, always research going on in terms of birth control. What has not changed, however, is the combination of birth control and condoms. And what worries me, and um, truth to tell, I I actually sit on the Trojan advisory board, so you should know that. But, you know, I think about condoms a lot, therefore, and I I worry that, you know, people have become so um, good at fail-safe um, or pretty darn fail safe, um, birth control that they forget that that birth control does not protect them against disease. So, so it's, um, it's still in a perfect world in making sure that, you know, you not only stay able to predict your timing and fertility, um, in terms of birth control, but that you keep yourself healthy. Um in the meantime.
3: And I know that you're also a board member of the Council of Contemporary Families. So we were wondering if you could share with us, you know, an understanding of how and why, you know, contemporary families may be changing.
4: You know, there's so many challenges. Oh my goodness. And and, and as I say Life is so individualized these days. People do pick their own road. And the good news is you can pick your own road to travel. And the bad news is a lot of times there's nobody else on the road. (laughs) You don't know where you're going or what its challenges will be because you're not following many people, you know. Um, So so there's the there's the rub. Um, I think I think one of the toughest parts um, is that people are waiting longer and longer to have their kids so the good news is you have more freedom more development of your career your job or or your wanderlust or whatever it is but then you start to get squished into a period of time where even if you've frozen your eggs and and they're there for you nonetheless um you um are now getting into a period where if you want to be a youngish mom um you know you you've you've got still got some some launch windows that you know are sort of you know, flashing at you like it's time, it's time, it's time. It may not, it, everybody may pick a different time. And some women might think her time is 28. And another woman might think her time is 40 um, or later. Um, but, but there is always that sense of, you know, how do you have a child in the right timing? Meanwhile, most women expect to support themselves or be very much inv- able to. Um, so they're developing. Uh, significant careers and jobs, very demanding jobs at the same time, sometimes two jobs if they can't find one that will support them enough, you know, for what they need to do. And um, I think a lot of women realize with the 50 percent divorce rate that even if they try to do a conventional marriage, they may end up um, being a single parent or they may, in fact, have their child as a single parent, all well and good. But then, of course, the economics of all this raises its head. And I think I think living today is more expensive. And if you look at you know, dollars in terms of their inflated uh, costs. Housing, for example, is way, way more expensive compared to how much money people make than it used to be. And there are parts of the world that still housing is cheap, a lot of the South and some of the industrial Midwest. But for the most part, I think one of the challenges is okay if you decide to be a single mom and have that kid on your own, and your eggs are stored and they're 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 good, and you can do this. You know, putting it all together in an economic package or finding the right support system. When you have to invent it, it can be done, but you have to invent it. You have to have the right people who are willing to help you out and be there for you. Um, it's all way more innovative, way more entrepreneurial, and, you know, way more expensive than it used to be. So, you know, that's one of those things that's unfair in life, and that is that some people, you know, have the economic support from family. They, You know, have the kind of interests that got them a good salary, um, and other people have none of the above. And so that often uh, weighs heavily on the choices somebody can make.
3: And as we were talking about a new understanding that women can also create, of course, life um, and also create other things like businesses or nonprofits or things that the world may need to continue to evolve you know we're just curious if you think that if women do continue to hold this many hats um, you know will this affect
4: family in the future well I mean it's it's a challenge because you know I totally agree with you not everybody needs to put their creative um, energy into having kids um, kids take a lot <laughs> and um, unless you have you know, huge economic supports, um, sometimes there's a choice, you know, do I want to save the world or do I want to take, uh, some of that energy and, and put it into my children and my partners or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, for some women, um, if they want to have a full-fledged, Engagement with the outside world, whether it's a career or doing volunteer work in Nicaragua or whatever it is, um, those those may be choices that they have to make. Um, some women can have it all, but not everybody can. And um, yeah, I think the important thing is, you know, as Polonius said in Hamlet, many many years ago in Shakespeare, "To thine own self be true," and there's the real task: who is one's own self? was required to do that how does one be a good person and a fulfilled person to one's own values and and then try and figure out that pathway and make it happen but it's you know it's it's sort of like choice is a, is a double-edged sword you know somebody's you know you go to a wedding and they plunk a piece of chicken on your plate and that's what you have to eat you eat it but if you go to a a smorgasbord or you know a a buffet and you have to start at one end and go through the other and try and figure out you know what you really want some of which you don't know till you get to the end it may be a much more complex choice and you may or may not have done it well so you know freedom has its own challenges
1: yeah and I'm curious you know you are such a professional and how did you go about making choices for your own life or like, how did you have your family and what, what were some of the decisions you decided to make? I mean, especially because you are in this specialty, did that influence how you made your choices?
4: You know, I'm, I'm from the first wave of feminism. So, um, I would be, um, you know, I'm 72. So when I was doing this, I was totally making it up as I went along, but I was a very ambitious person. And I knew that, I was going to do certain things no matter what. And my vision of it was I'm going to have it all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so one of the things I've, you know, it's a book to talk about my life. But um, I've been pretty single minded in, in getting a Ph.D., which I felt you know, particularly at that time, you needed as much certification as possible to be taken seriously. I'm I'm small and I've always been kind of cute. And I mean, I've literally been patted on the head by people who shouldn't be shaking my hand and calling me doctor. So, um, you know, there's been some fight there. Um, and, And I continue to to feel very protective of other women and and their struggle to be whatever they want to be. But I also wanted kids, Um, I didn't have them till late, I could have missed the boat. Uh, Egg freezing was not, I would have done that if I'd known about it then, but I did uh, get married again, second marriage, and had my first baby at 37 and my second at 39, so I was just lucky it worked. and what I did was um, I, housing was much cheaper. I had bought a house. My parents helped me do that. Um, you could do that for $20,000 then, <laughs> um, which even today would still not be, um, you know, maybe it would be one hundred and fifty now. I don't know. But um, And then what I did was I redid my um, basement, and um, I couldn't afford total living help. So I uh, traded the, the uh, apartment that I created um, for 20 hours a week childcare. And, you know, I've had that my entire life because I decided I would do child raising my way. And everybody, a lot of my, my uh, people who were my age didn't have kids. They, they, um, they had this vision that you could only be a mom a certain way. And if you can be home a certain way and You wouldn't have anyone else do it because you would be so wonderful that nobody else could replace you. And they put all these ideas on themselves about what child raising was. And I was thinking, you know, I'm just going to be a dad. (laughs) I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to, you know, participate in my kids' lives. I'm going to show up for everything important, but I'm not going to be with them 24-7, not even close. And, um, you know, my kids are wonderful, um, productive Fabulous adults, you know, they... But I got lots of criticism along the way of being, you know, like not being a mom enough. Um, I remember... I went to a a preschool thing where they said bring cookies and I went and picked up some cookies from the store and everybody had been home making muffins and things and they literally took my cookies and didn't serve them because they weren't homemade. I mean you know Uh, I I learned how to then buy home buy buy store-bought cookies put them in a brown bag and say I made them. So you know I just had to decide I'm going to raise my kids my way and if nobody else likes it tough. You know? um, and um, for my way, it meant I needed a lot of help. I, you know, had an au pair. I had somebody who, you know, I kept doing trades with people for, you know, a live-in situation. Um, as I was just saying, I created a place in my house where somebody could stay um, and that that was a fair trade for a certain amount of childcare. care. And um, it's always been a juggling act. I mean, you know, for most working women know that you're only as good as your childcare. Um, my husband, um, was helpful, but you know, he had a job too. And in fact, what happened in our marriage was for a while, he couldn't find the job he needed or wanted in Seattle. So he did in San Diego. So I was kind of a single mom with my helper, um, for quite a while and going back and forth to San Diego with a baby. That was fun. Um, anyhow, uh, you know it's a patchwork quilt uh, when i um when I did this, you know it's hard to equate the prices then to the prices now um daycare was scarcer, but you know more reasonable now, of course, it's just so expensive. I watched my daughter going through it um so it's uh you know is it easy no um is it possible? yes. Um, but of course, you know the other thing is I'm an academic, so I had a schedule that gave me a lot of leeway um you know it it's 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 all so personal, everybody really has to figure out the puzzle themselves, you know, do you know are we in France or some other countries where or Scandinavia, where you know the we have good social Issues that, you know, in and in a, in a national will to provide cheap and dependable childcare from birth on. Uh, no, no, this is a do-it-yourself kind of nation. So, you know, there's positives and negatives to that, but in terms of our family policies, it's pretty impoverished.
1: I mean, you've really been a pioneer, not only in your own generation, but uh, paving the way for other women to envision what they could have for themselves. Any last minute thoughts that you want to share with our listeners um, on how they can have it all and, and different paths to parenthood?
4: Well, I think the important thing is to not buy the idea that there's only one way to be a parent. There's only one way to have children. There's only one way to have a relationship. There's only one way to be single. I mean, the more rigid you are, the less you can accomplish thank you thanks thank dr you. pepper
3: for being thanks. on the show boy that was an incredible
1: interview wow. with dr
3: pepper i just love her i think i'm just in awe of everything that she shared she's amazing
2: inspiration the woman the myth the legend right here with us on she's Ecology. like really
3: the first
1: pioneer woman to be so public about her relationships and her how she's going to raise her family i mean did you hear how she puts baked items the cookies the cookies in yes. the paper bag to like show up the moms that she didn't cook them
3: herself that is so classic awesome well, and how outside of the box i mean she was airbnb before there was airbnb oh yeah with renovating her basement and get just for childcare. Yeah, and it was basically childcare for sleeping there. I mean, that she's sounds like a good so
1: switch. Smart. That is really I mean, it wasn't like she was a single mom, but she kind of was since her husband had to work abroad
3: or like in a different cities. San Diego. Yes. Yeah, yep. San Diego. I mean, that's an amazing woman and she continues to I think reinvent herself now being on that show. Yeah. It's fascinating, love her. And can we just talk about how she said if this would be her, you know, in her like 20s and 30s now? she would go to egg freezing because she, I she believes in that so much.
1: that for
3: being part of maybe the older
1: generation, that she's really embraced egg freezing as a avenue to help the whole process of becoming a mom. I mean, she's even said it herself. She's so lucky that regular pregnancy happened to her. Yeah. She's 37 37? and 39. Really, yes. I mean, she's an exception That's, to the rule. She totally is. She's very and,
2: progressive, just even then and now. Um, what about the whole comment of... Back in the day, if you were married, you would never invite one of your single friends over oh, to dinner because the single friend would th- try to steal your husband. No, that just doesn't even
1: resonate with me, like how you couldn't... I mean, all of my friends are single, so it's like if you have a married couple of friends, it's unusual. It's not right. the other way around. It just
3: sounds so, I don't know. Archaic? Like, this is how women... And there's still women today. That's a whole other show. I'm not not going to talk about it. How, like, catty and competitive and, like, not supportive of one another. Mm -hmm. This is, that's where it all stemmed from, right? Like, some of that early stuff. Yeah.
1: But, you know, it's funny because the way you think about it, uh, we kind of do that in the opposite effect, right? These days, where we, women aren't supportive of other women and i think that we need to change that whole dynamic build each other
3: up i think some are but there's still this old generation baggage that is coming through and women and those women need to like right let it go like we all need to support each other and that's so i can't believe people still don't do that but besides the point yeah that's fascinating if you guys ever heard of the term spinster Yes my
1: grandmother calls me that because I'm still single and not married. I mean it was it's a major <laughs> stigma. Like yeah. have you ever heard the love story of how your grandparents got together or anything like yes. that? Like my grandmother basically had to hound out my grandfather at a I one of those ha- lunchbox things. Like a boxing now- <laughs> <locks laughs> each other off to go on a date. Now, hey, that's Can so you cute. imagine? Now that is- now
2: they just call us Pumas when we're unmarried at 30. Cougar Cougars. is when you're forty. I am three years from Cougar Town. What and up, now, Courtney Cox? Dr. Pepper just I mean, God, I it, it was like twenty-three or twenty-five books she's History. written. All these art, published articles, and I mean, just what she's what the a career! True voice of shaping like the conversation. She absolutely is. She I is. love
3: her, love her, love her. What a I champion. loved how she
1: said how like birth control had that stigma. Or if you if a girl carried a
2: condom how she is looked at yes. as being, yes. like, oh, that, you're being sexual. Well, and but she
3: was thinking about sex.
2: Yeah, and, you know, anyone out there, even if you um, are not currently a big reality show fan, we do encourage you to at least check out one episode of Married at First Sight, um, even if you don't agree with the premises, just to see. As you can see, you know, Dr. Pepper gives great advice on dating everything. Relationships, g- relationships. Sexuality. Just to see, you know, how she views, you know. um, Like, one of the things she said today, if you go into things too rigid— Ah, uh, you're not going to meet someone, because uh, mm-hmm. you're just setting up parameters to lose. Uh, so we do encourage everyone. Um, if you're not currently watching the show, definitely check out Married at First Sight. But we want to hear
1: from you as well. So if you can give us a call, you know, at our Eggology Club podcast phone number, you can call us at nine seven eight Egg Club. That's 978-344-2582. We really want to carry on the conversation and hear what you're thinking. Um, We've gotten a couple of Google calls this week, girls. So we'll have to play those um, in the next episode or so. Follow us on Facebook,
3: Twitter, Instagram, All Likeology Club. And if you can on Facebook or Twitter, feel free to share, retweet, um, You know, share the post on your page. Really, we'd love to see this conversation continue to go. So please share it with the folks that need it. And leave us a review. You. That's how other people find our podcast and can be helped by the information we're providing.
1: We're working really hard on this project. We just want to make sure that anyone that's interested in it
2: can find us. Absolutely. I mean, just thank you uh, to all our loyal fans out there, the new listeners. Uh, definitely check out Married at First Sight to listen to Dr. Pepper, who's also not only an expert, but an expert. Expert. She's an expert and expert. Thanks for tuning in today. See you
0: next time. Do see out? Kegber out. Radell out. You have been listening to episode 7 of the Ecology Club podcast. Having it all. Tune in next time to hear helpful steps in choosing a fertility clinic, learn what questions to ask before getting started, and practical advice from well-known author and journalist Sarah Elizabeth Richards on what important research she did as an early pioneer of egg freezing to have successful cycles. Today's episode of Eggology Club was written and co-hosted by Raydell Peischler, Valerie Landis, and Kara Egber. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly, caricature artwork by Peter Scott, logo and cover art by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please Subscribe, leave a rating, and contact us at eggologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva. A Vino Diva. Vino Diva is a usable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible. And it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains. Search Vino Diva on Amazon today. Every woman has the little black dress. Now, every woman needs the little black straw. Vino Diva.